So there's a familiar story about a football coach. You've probably heard the story. His team was really struggling. They were in the locker room at halftime wondering what to do, and the coach just thought, you know, what we really need is to get back to the fundamentals. Just really need to get back to the basics. It's way too complicated. He said, guys, I'm going to start you at the very beginning. We're just going to review the fundamentals. This is a football. And one of the linemen said, hold on, coach, you're going too fast. Sometimes it's important as Christians to go back to the fundamentals and say, what is this actually all about? You know, there, there's a lot of complicated things we could talk about. In fact, you could read the Bible and there's, you know, there's 1,100-something chapters. There. There's a lot of complexity in the theology we can learn about and all the practical life wisdom that's in here, all the history we can study. What is the football? What is, what is the core of what the Bible is about and what God wants for us personally, for our households, for our church? What is this all actually about? So I thought we could conclude our Blessings at Home series where we've been walking through how the Bible applies to our daily lives, not just as a church, but also as we divide up into households and we live our practical life a lot of times with our nuclear family or some of our close friends, maybe some extended family. Here we all are all together trying to follow Jesus. What does that really mean and how does it look? We've been talking about that the last few weeks. If you're curious about that, if you haven't been here for that, we've posted all this online. So if you're saying, you know, I think my family could use some blessings at home, we could use a little bit of direction. Uh, you can go to our church website, click on sermons, and, and listen back through some of the things that I've been able to teach, Pastor Dell's been able to teach. Um, and really, it's not even about our particular wisdom. It's just opening up the Bible and recognizing that God has really given direction for every one of us in our lives in the Bible. Uh, but I thought it might be helpful as we conclude to think about what the core of all of this is supposed to add up to. What does it actually mean? Now, I've heard about vision all of my life. Anytime you join a new organization or you hear somebody's pitch about something, they'll say, here's the vision. Here's what this is all about. And, and vision is a picture of the future that produces passion in your heart. It's the thing that you're imagining. So you might have a vision yourself of something you're going to do. It could be as simple as your vision to eat lunch in a little while, and that picture of the future is producing passion in your heart. Uh, hopefully you have a little bit more of an expansive vision than just that. Maybe you're thinking like multiple days down the road. Maybe you're thinking about the vision for 2022. Where will you go? What will you accomplish? What will God do with your life? What, how will you step forward? What will your family look like? Maybe you think further than that. Maybe you have a vision for retirement uh, or a vision to go on a special vacation or a vision to have a certain kind of home or a vision to find the perfect special someone. Or there, there's, there's, these things help us kind of get through life because they, they paint a picture in our heart that helps us keep moving forward. So there's a big vision that you and I are a part of that spans beyond this lifetime that I think in the hurry and worry of this world, it's actually easy to lose track of. It's easy to forget about the fact that we're a part of something that's way bigger than anything we can see right in front of us right now. We're a part of a kingdom that's bigger than any earthly kingdom or country. Uh, in fact, like we talked about last week, God has invited us to be a part of something special. 
which is why the Bible talks so much about holiness. Remember the meaning of holiness? Something that's set apart for special use. So the reason God wants you to be holy or your family to be holy or our church to be holy is really not actually about following rules. It's actually about the fact that God wants you to be a part of something so special that, that if you kind of spend your whole life just doing kind of what everybody else is doing, you'll miss it. Um, that you have to step forward and say, Lord, I want to be a part of your bigger picture. Uh, I don't want to miss what life is actually about, and I don't want to walk away from what I was created to do, which is something really special on earth and in eternity. Okay, so the passion that will keep us going day after day as we look ahead and we think about the moment when Jesus says to us, well done. Are you familiar with that part of the Bible? It's kind of in the context of a parable that Jesus is, is telling, but he kind of gives us this image that one day all of the work of our lives is, is put before him in, in a you know, some sort of a judgment day type of a scenario, but a positive judgment day scenario, not the judgment day like Terminator or that, that kind of, but the, you're kind of looking forward to this one because this is where God sees you and rewards you according to what you've done. So, I, I don't know, growing up, I've had different images in my mind of what that might look like. Usually, they're kind of like this, where I would think of, you know, getting escorted into God's presence. Most of the pictures I've ever seen people paint of this it has an angel there and kind of steering you, taking you up these steps, and you're about to go and encounter the presence of God. And for some people, this is a terrifying moment because they've, they've lived their lives apart from God. They've walked away from God, and so they're, they're going up, their hearts are beating fast because they're afraid. For other people, this is an amazing and wonderful and warm moment because they've looked forward their whole life to finally getting to meet Jesus in person. And so they're walking up, and, you know, and again, I don't know, if, I don't know if this rendering is exactly how it might look. Uh, if heaven quite looks that way, all we really have to go on are some clues that the Bible gives us about what these moments will look like. Um, so you just imagine yourself in that moment where you're encountering God, and he says to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done in your, your life that you live for me. Now, what I think is challenging about that is I wonder, like, well, if, if I heard that from Jesus, why would he be saying it to me? What have I done well? Have I used my time well? Have I actually been holy in my life? Um, have I been intentional about where my life would go? So what I want is to get to that moment and have that be the most joyful day of my whole existence. How about you? That sound like a good plan? We could aim at that. Now there's one thing about this that I don't think is completely, well, again, who knows, but I, I don't think it's going to be quite like this. Um, because we're not walking through life alone. We're walking through life with other people. So when Jesus says, well done, it's not just about you, it's also about the people around you. So I found this and thought, maybe this is a little bit better picture, where you could almost imagine going up to the throne of Jesus with your family, your community, your close friends, all the people that you've walked through life with, the people you've followed Jesus with, and now together you get to hear, well done, welcome, come in and, and just enjoy my presence and my heaven forever. I look at that and think, wow, that, that picture, for me, like that, I mean, I, I hope I'll be there in that picture, but I also hope Melissa will be there, and I hope my kids will be there, and my parents will be there. 
I hope that some of you will be there. Maybe all of you will be, right? You, you kind of imagine this moment where we're not just being welcomed into the family of Jesus one at a time. In the ultimate sense, we're all in this together. So we want to make, our, we want to make sure that our earthly lives reflect this reality, this goal. So I think about the vision of the future that would produce passion in my heart and say, I want to get to that moment and not just hear Jesus look at me and say, well done, but I want him to look at the people I love and say, well done. And to the extent that my life was successful, it's not just about me doing a good job, it's also about me working with other people and inspiring other people to do that good job for Christ. So just thinking about what this all means, um, I have a question for you. Last week, we learned that God's inviting us to be part of something special, which is why he calls us to be holy. Are you living this, or are you missing it? Now, just like New Year's resolutions, if we judge each other based on our intentions, we're probably doing great, right? So if the question was, are you aiming to live this way, we could all raise our hands, say yes. And in fact, maybe I'll use the New Year as an excuse to start living this way even more. And that's great, great intentions, but great intentions don't pave the road to heaven, right? There's something else. And so, are you living it or are you missing it is a little bit better of a question, because right now, today, is your life on track to hear, well done, good and faithful servant? Is your family on track to hear that? Or if you kept going the way you're going right now, would you somehow miss the vision, the purpose of your life? So that's what we want to talk about today. It's beyond any kind of vision or mission that we could attach to our personal lives. So a lot of us, we get caught up in it. And there's nothing wrong with dreaming about where you go next to say, okay, in the next year, in the next five years, you know, I want to graduate from college or I, I have a mission. I want to make a difference in my community. Oh, that's great. But when we talk about well done, good and faithful servant, we're leaping beyond anything like that. Those things can be involved. But now we're talking about the purpose of life itself not just a specific mission or something interesting about life, but what are you actually here to do and are you doing it? Who are you actually supposed to be and are you becoming that? If not, I hope today can encourage you a little bit along that road. Okay, so a little bit of Bible study time here. If you have a Bible with you or you pull one out from the seat bottom in front of you, you can look up some of these verses. I think it's really interesting to look at the whole Bible and just to say, okay, what is the football? What is the core? What is the most basic thing? And if I get that, I'm, I'm on the right track. If I miss it, all the other stuff I learn isn't really going to count for that much. And I think you go all the way back to the beginning. We're not going to read from Genesis 2, but I'll just tell you the story here to start this off. To sort of discern the purpose of your life and how you can win at that. Genesis 2, we have the story of God forming Adam in the garden there. He brings all the animals to Adam. He's kind of looking for the helper. Then he eventually makes Eve. And, you know, it's a, it's a wonderful story of all this beauty and perfection and all the things that are amazing about the world we live in. We give thanks to God for creating all that. And, and we see in that little picture, there's not a whole lot there. There's not a lot of specifics. But in that little picture, what we see is God having a personal relationship with Adam and Eve. Talks about walking with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day in the Garden of Eden. And so you, you almost imagine what you might perceive heaven to be like, 
is pretty much what Adam and Eve started off with. They were in God's presence. They were in a beautiful and perfect and new creation. Just everything was as ideal as it could possibly be. And so we look back at that era of our human story and we say, wow, look what we left behind. Like the innocence and joy and purity and perfection and fun of that moment. Well, we decided to go our own way, rebelled against God, and you know the story. We call that the fall of man, uh, where everybody, things fell apart. We fell away from God, and we tried to go our own way and really messed up the world that God had made in a, in a massive way. We're still paying the consequence of that even now. So you could say from right there at the beginning, the original intent, the purpose of Adam and Eve's, Adam and Eve's life was to have a relationship with God and each other that would last forever and that would multiply. That's a really exciting purpose, okay? We took a detour when we went off track, but God is so committed to you and I being a part of his family and living out that purpose that he gives us an on-ramp back on, okay? So now that's where we go to a few different places in the Bible, and I just want to read a few of these to you because it's fascinating that nestled into all the history and poetry and things of the Bible, we have these, I wouldn't even call them clues, it's really obvious actually, uh, what God is actually after in the midst of all of that. So we start in Leviticus 26, verse 12. This is in the midst of giving all sorts of rules and regulations. In the middle of it, he just pauses and tells us why it all matters so much. He says in verse 9, I will look favorably upon you, making you fertile and multiplying your people. I will fulfill my covenant with you. You will have such a surplus of crops that you will need to clear the old grain to make room for the new harvest. This is speaking to the people of Israel, and it was kind of a unique time of blessing for them. But then catch this. I will live among you, and I will not despise you. I will walk among you, and I will be your God, and you will be my people. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt so that you would no longer be their slaves. I broke the yoke of slavery from your neck so that you can walk with your heads held high. So right there, we have this little image of what God is actually after, right? It's bigger than just you following the directions. It's a lot bigger than you just surviving or, you know, producing the next generation. God is actually interested in walking with you. God wants to be able to look at you and say, that's one of my kids. That's the, you're in my family. And we're going to walk together forever. It's actually the same thing that God created the Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden to be the place where it would happen. He wants that to keep happening. Okay, so then we say, okay, well, what else does the Bible say about this? Look over to the book of Ezekiel. So you have to go after Psalms if you're looking at a paper Bible here. A few books for, forward from there. Chapter 37. Again, nestled in the middle of a whole bunch of prophecy. Ezekiel's not known to be kind of an easy book to understand. There's all sorts of crazy stuff in here. But in the middle of it, we have again this clue, this really obvious clue of what it all is actually about. Okay, Luke 37, or Ezekiel 37, verse 27. So let's start reading a few verses ahead of that. Verse 25. He says, they will live in the land I gave my servant Jacob, the land where their ancestors lived, 
they and their children and their grandchildren after them will live there forever, generation after generation, and my servant David will be their prince forever, and I will make a covenant of peace with them, an everlasting covenant. I will give them their land and increase their numbers, and I will put my temple among them forever. And here's the key. I will make my home among them. I will be their God, and they will be my people. And when my temple is among them forever, the nations will know that I am the Lord who makes Israel holy. So again, here you've got this clue that what God is really after is the opportunity to live with us, which is why we have to be holy, which is why we need Jesus to bring us close to God. Because God has a vision for us that's more than anything that we see around us right now. Okay, you can go over to the New Testament. Uh, John 1, which sometimes we talk about at Christmas time, is that famous verse where it says, The Word, referring to Jesus, became flesh. The Word became a human being and made his home among us. So you actually have in John 1.14 kind of the purpose coming to pass that Jesus now is stepping into our world in, in a way that hadn't been experienced since the Garden of Eden at the very beginning. And now it's like, okay, the purpose can actually come to pass because Jesus is here, Emmanuel, God is with us. Then we, we read this last week when we were talking about holiness in 2 Corinthians 6 where, where Paul is talking to a church and he's saying, hey, you have to leave your old ways behind. Don't partner up with the world around you. Recognize you're set aside for something special. So don't mess it up. In fact, purify yourself Get rid of anything that contaminates you so that you can be holy, so that you can walk with God. Okay, and then we look at the very end of the Bible, and we see the purpose coming to pass. Okay, and this is a part of the Bible that hasn't been fulfilled yet. So much of the prophecy in the Bible, we can look back in history and we can already see that it's happened. This is a part that hasn't happened yet. Revelation chapter 21, verse 1. Then I saw the new heaven and the new earth, for the old heaven the old earth had disappeared. The sea was also gone, and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, well, look what? Look, God's home is now among his people. The purpose actually is fulfilled. In the end, the aim of the whole Bible and everything that Jesus did and everything we're a part of right now is finally fulfilled when God looks at us and says, these are my people. We look at him, we say, you are God, and we get to live together forever. That's the whole purpose and aim and what all of this adds up to. You look on to the next phrase there. He says, he will live with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. So the, the mess that was made in the Garden of Eden, is a, is a, is a, things are officially restored at this moment. And, and now we look forward into eternity of being able to fulfill our purpose without all the barriers that sin puts in our way, without all the competitive ideas of the world. We've been able now to walk with God forever, which is so exciting to imagine. And, and when Jesus opens his arms and says, well done to you, you could almost imagine that as kind of the gateway into this whole new future. In fact, you've already walked through the gateway if you've put your faith in Jesus. You're not just waiting for heaven to start living a holy life and a purposeful life. It actually starts right away. 
So you start living for something that's more than this world and more than just for yourself, and everything changes. Okay, so if you wanted to summarize it, you could say this, the purpose of your life is to walk with God and to be in a family relationship with him forever. That's why you're here. So whether that thought gets 100% of your attention or 0% of your attention, that actually is the reason you're here. There's lots of things that can distract you from that reality. There's lots of ways you can spend your life and ignore your purpose. I think a lot of people honestly just miss it. They've filled their life with so many other things that they don't realize when they wake up in the morning, God wants to walk with them. They have a reason to exist. And it's not just about finding your calling as far as like the right job to do or the right way to serve or even the right way to you know, participate in Christian activities. That stuff is sort of on the sidelines compared to the bigger purpose. The real reason you exist is because God wants to walk with you. He wants you to be his son or his daughter. So, I don't know about you, but I think that's really amazing. That the creator of the universe, God, actually cares about me that much and wants that for my life. So you can read through the whole Bible, you discover all sorts of fascinating things. And there's lots of plays to run, as it were, about life. But what is the football? What is the core? What is the basic of all of this? It's that God wants to walk with you. And that's, that's why Jesus came, and that's why God invites you to live a new kind of life, a life that doesn't make sense to people who are on the outside of it. We want to invite them in, obviously, uh, but that's why people make fun of Christians for how they might live, because it just doesn't compute. Why would you live for something that you can't see, you can't fully understand, but once you start walking with God, he gives you faith, he gives you eyes to see uh, this different reality. So, a little bit of a checkup then personally. Remember in our series, we were using two Greek words as we talk about home uh, and what it is that our church is actually about. In the New Testament, it talks about the ecclesia, which is the gathering of people together, and the oikos, which is the household. Both of those, your church and your household, should help you fulfill your purpose in the ideal world. Now, not everybody's life looks that way, right? So, You'd say, Lord, with whatever I'm starting with, that's where I want to end up. But that the gathering and the household, all of it adds up to encourage me along the road of purpose in my life. So you could ask yourself, first of all, am I walking with God? Am I walking with God? If you can't say yes, you're missing your purpose. You have some work to do to find out what that means and start living that. If you say, yes, I am, I'm, I'm walking with God, I feel like I'm, I'm walking close to Jesus and every day I'm taking steps in the right direction with him, great. Next question, are my other family members walking with God? And that becomes a challenge then for those of us who are part of a household, we say it's not just that we're going to appear before Jesus individually, it's that together we stand before Jesus and all of us, we, all, we want Jesus to say well done to all the people that we care about. So I want to give you two verses uh, to encourage you in the new year, and then we're going to take a little bit of time and just pray and ask for God's help. All right, so here are the two verses. You can look up um, Titus chapter 3, and this just kind of summarizes what God is doing with you and with me in our lives. Titus chapter 2, or ch chapter 3 in the very first part. 
Verse 3. Once we too were foolish and disobedient. We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures, which is really the aimless life, right? So if, you, if you'd say you wake up every day and all you've got is desire and lust and you're just looking for the next dollar, the next high, the next good feeling, it's, you're missing the whole purpose of what life is about, right? So at once we too were all stuck in that cycle. It says our lives were full of envy and evil and we hated each other, but... When God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior, and because of his grace, he declared us righteous and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to insist on teaching these things so that all who trust in God will devote themselves to doing what is good. So God looks down from heaven. He sees where we're at. He sees our lives are full of aimless, pointless evil. He says, you know what? You don't have to walk that way. I want you to come with me instead. Okay, then the other thing that we need to read is in 1 John. So you just go forward in the Bible just a little bit to 1 John chapter 2. And we see in this the mercy of God, but also the purpose of our lives, just outlined so clearly. The mercy is that even if we take steps away from our purpose, God is right there next to us, wanting to call us forward in the right direction. So 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who's truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not for our sins, but the sins of all the world. And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey his commands, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word show how truly or how completely they love him. This is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. That is, when we say, I'm a Christian, what we're claiming is that we're walking with God the way Jesus would walk. We're walking in his steps, we're following him. So that's how all this connects together. And you say, well, what does it mean to follow Jesus? To follow Jesus is to fulfill your life's purpose. If you follow anybody else, you might have an interesting life, but it won't be fulfilling the purpose for which you were created. When you follow Jesus, you know that you're on track, not just on earth, but also in eternity. Okay? So, your road to purpose looks kind of like this. Repent, believe, and then follow. Repenting is where you turn around. So you've kind of been on your own road, you're walking your own way. You turn around and you say, now I'm going to follow Jesus instead. Instead of trusting in myself, I'm going to trust in him. And then you put your belief in Jesus. You say, instead of trusting my own whatever, my own righteousness or my own ability to be good. Instead, I'm going to look to Jesus and trust him for the forgiveness of my sins and the change of my heart. Trust him to give me the power to walk a new direction. And then follow is just your daily response to Jesus, right? Where every day you just take the step of saying, Lord, I want to follow you wherever you lead so that I can live out the purpose that you've given to me. So my question to you is when you meet Jesus... 
Is that going to be a moment of joy and fulfillment and completion of a life well lived? Um, Or would you see Jesus coming up to you and you would be thinking, man, I wish I would have spent my life differently. I wish I didn't waste so much time doing things that were off track from my purpose. So so, uh, we, we look at this, we have the opportunity today to make a course correction, right? That we know that the vision in our hearts is to see Jesus one day, to be with him, uh, for him, for him to welcome us in and say, well done, good and faithful servant. So if you're, if you're not on that track, you've got the opportunity to say, Lord, here it is. It's a new day, it's a new year, it's a new opportunity to start walking with you. That's what I encourage you. you know, there's, there's lots of goals we could set for the next year, and those are helpful. Um, sure, well, I'll probably do that myself in the next week or so. I'll go through and think about all the, all the things I want to accomplish in 2022. But that would be limited if it was just about me or just about accomplishing things. Um, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't tap into this much bigger story that I'm a part of. You're a part of it too. That God has created you for something way more than this world or this life has to offer. So, how about it? Would you like to set some goals that last into eternity? Would you like to think of your life in a new light and say, you know, what will make this next year successful is not how much money I make or what career moves happen for me or how I do with my kids or my family or where I go next in school. What will actually make this year successful is if I live out my purpose in life, if I actually walk with God this year. So why don't we pray? Let's ask him for help. Because he wants this more than we do. Remember, he set all of this in motion. And he offers this to us as a road out of aimlessness and toward purpose that lasts forever. It's up to us to look up to him in faith and say, yes, that's the life that I really want. So let's pray and ask for his help. Jesus, first we thank you for the many ways that you give us love and grace each day. That even while we were way off track, even while we were sinners, you came and gave your life to rescue us. And now we, now we have a choice. That even the fact that we've got a choice is an amazing demonstration of your mercy toward us. That we can choose to walk with you or we can go our own way. Lord, as we think about where our lives are heading, we don't know how long we have in this world. We don't know whether 2022 will be our final year or maybe just the beginning year of a whole new season. I pray that you'd give each one of us clarity in our own heart about what you want us to do. That we would not just be walking toward the same goals that Maybe everybody else would have, but that we would see that you've called us to be a part of something special. We want to live that to the fullest. Thank you so much for filling our lives with purpose, for giving us clear answers to the question of why we're here, what we're supposed to do, who we're supposed to be. Not just telling us, but even showing us as you came to this world and lived among us showing us the way. 
That's the way we want to walk. Right now in this moment of prayer, I just want to give you an opportunity to speak to the Lord a little bit about your life and your walk. So I'll ask you a few questions as we pray. And you can just pray in your own, the quietness of your own heart to the Lord. He hears your thoughts. So just pray to him and answer these questions. The first question is, how was my walk with you in 2021? The next question is, Lord, where do you want me to be in my walk with you at the end of 2022? Are there things that you'd like me to start? Are there things you would like me to stop? Lord, how would you like me to follow you on a daily basis? What do I need to change about my schedule and my priorities? How do you want me to include my family in my walk with you? Lord, what goals do you want to set for me with me as we think together about the next year. Lord Jesus, as just one of your servants in this room, among many of us here, I do look forward to the moment that you would look to me and say, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into my joy. I pray that every one of us could experience that to the fullest degree. Lord, that we would not just be skating into heaven by the skin of our teeth, having fumbled and wasted our earthly lifetimes, but that instead, each day when we wake up, whether we have the trappings of success or not, 
that we would live with intentionality for you and that we would receive that rich and warm welcome into your kingdom in the future. Today, would you help us to faithfully represent that kingdom on earth? So we look forward to what's ahead. Would you help our hearts beat a little bit faster with the vision of what's to come and what you called us to be a part of? Would you help us to walk the right direction together? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, God bless you. Hope you have a very happy new year, and we'll see you back on January 2nd for the start of 2022. God bless you.